Welcome to Curious Coworkers, a responsibly different talk show exploring the challenges that arise when our interests conflict with our values. It's April, and just like March, April is a double celebration month that we here at Deergo Collective care deeply for. March was all about celebrating women and being a part of the B Corp movement. April is all about celebrating Mother Earth, our planet, and volunteers who give back. It's Earth Month and Volunteer Appreciation Month. Naturally, Ben and I have a lot of stories to share as these two things intersect for us. But before we do, we want to ensure we look back and appreciate the history of these two celebrations. Starting back in 1970, the first Earth Day was celebrated. This celebration is greatly credited to the publication of Rachel Carson's New York Times bestseller, Silent Spring, released in 1962. Yes, Americans were using a lot of gas in the very inefficient automobiles that were available, and all that environmental concern and polluted environmental threats to human health were brought to light in Silent Spring. Fast forward to January 1969, there was a massive oil spill in Santa Barbara, California, that sparked outrage and protests, which was the catalyst for the first Earth Day. To help advance environmental advocacy efforts, Senator Gaylord Nelson from Wisconsin teamed up with Pete McCloskey, a conservative-minded Republican congressman, to recruit Dennis Hayes, a young activist. Sparked from the idea of anti-war protests that were happening on college campuses, the group organized a campus teach-in on April 22nd, which fell between spring break and final exams to gain the largest participation from students. Hence why Earth Day is continued to be celebrated on April 22nd and across all of April. Similarly, Volunteer Appreciation Month started as a holiday week and then grew to be celebrated across the whole month. Starting in Canada in 1943, the country wanted to pay tribute to the women who lent a hand during World War II that cared for the wounded soldiers and collected supplies. This was the start of humanitarian services that we have now seen grow into active organizations such as the Red Cross today. It wasn't until 1974 that the U.S. admired this idea and made it known by the general public as National Volunteer Week. It is now a worldwide celebrated month and has been since 1990. Britt, to kind of help us kick off this episode, do you have a memory that comes to mind when you helped maybe change the perspective of another person had on our environment? Yeah, Ben, thanks. I think what's important to kind of highlight here is I've had a lot of different jobs. And before I turned, let's say, 24, I was switching jobs daily, monthly. I mean, like, seriously, it felt like it was so often. Um, But the important thing that I kind of like to remind myself and give myself grace on. I went to school for environmental science and in the environmental science field, it's common for kids and students coming out of college to just want to work outside. And everybody, and most people probably know by now that I'm a huge planner. So before I even graduated college, I knew 
exactly where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And I knew and I felt, I felt that society told me I had to work outside and I had to be doing some sort of data collection or data analytics all around our environment to better protect it. So when I left school, I first moved out west. I tried working for the Utah Division of Wildlife. I then came back east. I did some water protection. But ultimately, after many jobs of moving and changing my careers for eight months, which at the time, this was a very long held position for me. But for eight months, I worked in the Ossipee region in New Hampshire, and I was working for a nonprofit raising awareness about the protection of the watershed around the lakes region in New Hampshire. And with part of that job, remember, I was a paid employee, so I'm not volunteering for this. But as part of my job, I brought kids that came to the lakes region of New Hampshire for camps. I brought them to different parts around the lake that maybe they wouldn't see every day. And we would test the water quality to see if they could go swimming or not, if the water was good for drinking or not. So doing a lot of education just around water quality and raising kids' awareness of that. The one memory that really sticks out to me when you ask me what was a time that I changed somebody's perspective, this memory sticks out to me because I was working with a group of students that came up to New Hampshire and probably have never really been in the woods, don't spend a lot of time in the woods, their access to our outdoors was pretty limited. And I remember we're walking through the woods. We go on this like maybe mile long hike, but this was like a really big deal for them. And we're walking through the woods and they're just like taking everything in. And at the end of the hike, we get to this very swampy covered bog. So think marsh, think swamp, but like underneath is a full body of water. But on top of it is this very delicate piece of plant life that protects the water, but almost acts as like, I guess the best way to describe it is like a carpet over the water. And I remember when the kids first saw this, they were like, I can walk on water. And I was like, well, no, you can't because then you'll kill the plant life. But like, There was some that was dead over really shallow water. So we walked over a little bit of it. And just to see them all like experience this like natural phenomenon that they've never seen before. It was so like heartwarming for me. But then to like, granted, I haven't done this type of work in a really long time. So nobody come at me for using the wrong terms here. But like just to be teaching them about a different way of life for the plants and animals that live in bogs was phenomenal. And these kids, I'm sure they remember this. I mean, it was, it felt like it was one of those like aha moments that changed their life. That's so cool. That's so cool. I mean, it's amazing what, how important that contact with the natural world really is for people to appreciate our planet and to, and to want to take better care of it right? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Britt. Yeah, no, of course. And yeah, it is important to kind of have these experiences that change your mindset about our outdoors. And I I guess like to that degree, I know that the outdoors 
are such this important outlet for you. And they really have been throughout your entire life. And I guess I'm wondering, like, what started the the passion for you for the outdoors? Oh, that's such a good question. So I, um, I mean, I feel really fortunate because, you know, unlike the the kiddos that, that you talked about not really having access to the outdoors, I, I grew up in rural Maine, uh, maybe like an hour, like southwest of Portland. And so we like played in the woods a lot. And I did Girl Scouts and... Um, you know, I, I'm a trans guy, right? So back then it was Girl Scouts. And and I just, I remember loving Girl Scouts. I remember like, you know, and we would do so many fun. I mean, like, yes, we would do craft things. and But also like, I remember learning how to make a fire and I, I remember camping and I just, I just remember all of that. And I just loved it so much. And then as I, you know, over, over the years, as I've, as I grew up, the outdoors became not just a place to play and have fun, but it also became a refuge and like a place of, peace and, and respite, like whenever I needed a break from stuff. And even today, like even now, you know, like, I mean, we're in Maine, so it's kind of chilly out. But like yesterday, it was 45 degrees out and the sun was out and I sat out on the back deck to to work because I was like, I just need the sunshine. I need to be outside. Like I need the quiet. I need to hear the birds being connected in that way. And then as an extension of that, grew up in and around the water. And so surfing and um, and and the ocean, I have a deep, deep connection to the ocean, even though I don't get to surf as much as I'd like to. I, yeah, it's all, I feel like there have been times in my life where it's been like the outlet that like keeps me going, you know? And so I think that it also inspires me to want to protect those places, right? And, and make sure that other people have that access because I know, um, you know, like, like the kids you were talking about, not everybody has that access and that relationship to the outdoors. Um, how do you think we as a society can support future activists or youth, right, regarding climate change uh, and and protecting our planet and kind of inspiring that future generation from your perspective? Yeah, no, I, I love this question and I, I love this conversation because I think what's super important to remember is you and I both had had that access from a young age, uh, much like you, I did also do Girl Scouts, I although I don't have a great memory um, in the sense of like, I just don't remember it. But yes, I remember being able to go outside often as a kid and explore and have that world to explore. And I think that's so important that the earlier we can get our youth into their outdoor environment, the more they're going to fall in love with it and the more they're going to want to protect it. So I say all this to just say, it's important that kids get out at recess. It's important that they get into the woods and they experience playing with sticks, playing in the dirt, finding their first worm. I don't know, all the crazy things that like kids freak out about. But then as they get older, it's important to allow students to have their own voice and shape their own opinions about how they want to see the world. And I think that's what's so empowering about younger generations right now that we're seeing, they have such this loud voice and they are true activists in every sense, throwing rallies and protests about things that they believe in, that they care for. And I won't go into too much detail because I'm not super familiar with them, but I know around the time that the Green New Deal launched, there was a group called Sunrise Movement that really started to make headway with this idea of bringing students and young activists together around common issues 
And I won't read them all out right now, but I believe there's 11 principles that the Sunrise Movement really enforces and follows. And we'll link to it in the show notes because I I think that they are very powerful. And if you are listening and you have a young one at home who's maybe just struggling to understand how to protect this planet and how to give back, I think that the Sunrise Movement would be a really great place to start because they have their dedicated programs and initiatives that they are fighting for. And it just teaches kids how to be better leaders, better organizers, overall better people that are working with other people. They're respecting each other. They're respecting their their own opinion. They're giving help where they can, but they're also taking help where they need it. And they're a nonviolent action group, but they stand for what they believe in. And I just think that when our youth is learning how to hear somebody else's opinion, but stand firmly in what they believe, it's so, so strong. And I know, Ben, that you have so much background in this activism work. And I know a lot of what, like, where you come from is around this volunteering for activism work, too. Anything you want to add to kind of what I just said? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, about the Sunrise Movement, I mean, I, I think what's what's really cool about uh, that organization is they also bring a really strong climate justice and like intersectionality lens to all the work that they do. Mm. And I think that that's really important, right? Because we know that folks most impacted by climate change and all of these things are going to be underrepresented communities. It's going to be communities of color. It's going to be folks in poverty. And yeah, that intersectionality is really, really important. I'll also say that volunteering can look like a lot of different things. I think something that I I often see, especially when working with nonprofits and, and building capacity, people tend to think that like volunteers can only do very specific things. It's like, oh, volunteers can stuff envelopes. Volunteers can make can make dials or they can knock doors. But that's like the extent of what a volunteer can do. And that's not true, right? Like vol- and volunteers are just humans. Like all, like we're all, all of us are professionals and all of us can also be volunteers, right? And so um, really want to challenge us as individuals to think about how can we volunteer in a meaningful way and also think, you know, if you're, uh, you know, running a nonprofit, think more creatively about the ways that you can utilize volunteers. I think often people are like, oh, but it's just quicker and easier if I do it myself. Like it's going to take so much time for me to train somebody and then I have to check their work and then it's like all this stuff, right? And it's like, yes, it does take time to train somebody. It does take time to check work, all of those things. And if you train that person and you, let's say it takes you eight hours to train a person, the amount of hours you'll get back over time it will be worth it. It will build capacity for your organization um, because also volunteers can recruit more volunteers, right? So it can have this like compounding effect, which is really great. Ben, if I may, I want to just jump in there and say that there's a few groups that Ben and I will link in the show notes that are specifically raising awareness and access to the outdoors. But one that I came across that I really love and I've been following for for some time now They're called Summits in Solidarity. And just the other day, uh, let's say early March, they posted how they're looking for volunteers. And I just thought it was like so eye-opening that like, like what you're saying, like volunteering means so many different things. So just to call it a few of the volunteers that they're looking for, they're looking for somebody to like table at their events. They're looking for somebody to post on social media for them. They're looking for somebody to track their budget 
technical assistance with web development. And then also you have the traditional like somebody to lead the hike up the mountain and somebody to organize the hike. But I just like if you are looking for how to volunteer and it's Earth Month and you're trying to be like, how can I also be celebrated by volunteering, but also care about the environment? Check out Summits in Solidarity. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of our listeners are from the B Corp community um, and our, our business folks. And I would say, you know, another great resource is check out Patagonia Action Works, right? Because what they do is uh, you can say, oh, I'm really good at bookkeeping or I'm really good at graphic design or name your skill set, punch it in. And then you'll get matched with nonprofits in the environmental space that are looking for those skill sets. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, organizations don't have the budget to hire a full-time marketing person or a full-time finance person or any of those things. And so they're having to figure it out on their own. And if you have skills in those areas, great, like they they can use your help. And so then I guess I would only be like my, my second part is don't, don't wait to be asked. Like if you see an organization like, oh my gosh, they're doing the coolest stuff. Just reach out to the organization, introduce yourself, say, hey, I'm Ben. I do X, Y, Z things. I think you're doing great work. How can I support you? They'll get you plugged in for sure. They'll be psyched that you reach out too. I mean, I think that's just something to remember. Like as you're kind of trying to navigate, how do you volunteer? How do you start to volunteer? Remember that like the group that you're asking is going to be psyched that you're asking. So you don't have to, you don't have to ask the perfect way. Just ask and they will be psyched to receive it. Absolutely. Don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. For sure. Right, right. One of one of my s- stories here and me saying it out loud is like me owning that I need to do better at volunteering too. But last winter, we, you know, like we were just coming out of the pandemic. We were still all trying to like figure out how we navigate being outside safely and being around other humans. But last winter, so in my community, they do a winter farmer's market. And when people think of farmer's markets, they always think of like the summertime and like the fresh, beautiful vegetables that you get during the summer. But like what people don't realize is you can also grow veggies in the winter in a greenhouse. Also, like farmer's markets mean so much more than just fresh veggies these days. So I found a group that was doing the winter farmer's markets and I volunteered with them. And I just remember being so nervous about being like, hey, do you need volunteers? And like the reality was like, they needed so many volunteers. Um, so don't hesitate to reach out, just reach out. And I think the more consistent that you can volunteer with a group is going to be appreciated. But that being said, like a one-off volunteer day is helpful. So like, don't limit yourself. Yeah. And it can be a great way to build community. Like I know I've heard from a lot of folks coming out of the pandemic. It's like, I don't know how to be in community with other people or how to find my community or whatnot. I mean, if you volunteer on issues you care about, especially uh, uh, around um, environmental justice issues, you're going to find other people that are like minded and volunteering for the same reasons. So you're automatically you you share a a connection point. Uh, So it's another really great way to, to build community, too. I do want to give a shout out to uh, a nonprofit here in Maine that uh, is near and dear to my heart um, that I think kind of checks both of these buckets of volunteerism and and Earth Month. uh, And that is Teens to Trails. So Teens to Trails uh, is an amazing organization and they create, uh, they support um, middle schools and high schools 
creating outdoor programs and support them in running those programs uh, to help create access to the outdoors for 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 kiddos. Because you would think even even here in Maine, where we're a very rural state, you would think everyone has access to the outdoors. And people might live in rural settings and still not have access to outdoors. They might not have access to equipment or the know-how to how to hike or how to use a compass or any of those things. So uh, Teens to Trails does a really great job of creating programming and opportunities uh, to build those relationships with the outdoors like you and I, Britt, were talking about earlier um, that we were so fortunate to have as as kiddos. I think that's a really great shout out because Teens to Trails makes it super accessible for everybody to get outside. People may not know, but I also did live in Maine for a little bit. And one of the jobs that I held when I was in Maine was Ripple Effect, which is another nonprofit specifically helping kids get hands-on education in an outdoor setting classroom. So a little bit more in-depth than a Teens to Trails program that can be student-run. Ripple Effect is run by their staff where the students come to them or they go to the classroom and they teach the students just in the backyard of the school. But I just think whether it's a Teens to Trails or a Ripple Effect type of outdoor learning, I just think that this type of learning is so fundamental to the development of our youth in our communities. And One thing that I will say is from my time at Ripple Effect, I, like as one of the employees, gained so much confidence in myself and in my ability to be outside that it just bled through to my students that I was teaching and helping develop their skills. But one thing that Ripple Effect always says is that their programming helps students build confidence helps them develop critical leadership skills. It strengthens relationships with themselves, but also people in their community. And it just helps students grow an appreciation for the outdoors all through this exploration. So wherever you live, wherever you are, if you do have young ones at home or you yourself are looking to get outside and explore, Either do some of this volunteer work or find these local programs. Ask your uh, children's schools if they have access to outdoor classrooms because it may be this new style of learning and teaching that's coming and growing. But I really do believe that it is important for our children to learn how to be interested in our outdoors and explore our outdoors through their own curiosity. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that access extends. I mean, I think it's it's so important for our youth because the younger we can get folks outside, the the more likely they are to build that lifelong relationship. And it's never too late, right? It's never too late to get folks outside. And there's some other really great organizations. I'm just going to name a few, but we'll drop them in the, in the show links too, so you can check out their websites and explore them further. Uh, but these are some more organizations that you can volunteer with that are helping folks get access to the outdoors, not just kiddos, but all ages kind of across the spectrum here. So uh, right right here in Maine, we've got more women surf um, across the country. There's Outdoor Afro, Unlikely Hikers, uh, Special Surfers, Summits in Solidarity, Brown People Camping, Melanin Base Camp. Uh, all just some really great organizations. Again, we'll throw those on the show notes. If you have others that you're like, oh my gosh, these are awesome and we should add them to your list, Send us an email. We're happy to to amend the the list for sure.
Thanks for tuning into this episode. We understand that not everyone has access to the outdoors, and we want to raise awareness that this April is the perfect time to start helping organizations whose mission is to do just that. Ben named a few, and we have linked to them in the show notes, but please do your own research and find local organizations to you. Volunteering with local organizations is a great way to build community and connection to your place on this earth. As always, let us know what you think about this content by emailing us at content at dirgocollective.com. That's D-I-R-I-G-O collective.com. Until next time, be responsibly different.